You're listening to the PWBA Podcast, the show about the current superstars and legends of the Professional Women's Bowling Association. Join Bold TV's Neil Williams Jr. and Aaron Smith as they bring you a collection of stories, history, and the latest happenings from the best women bowlers in the world. Go, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the PWBA podcast right here on Bold TV. And of course, simulcasting to the PWBA Facebook page and the Bold TV YouTube channel. Appreciate you joining us as always. It is time for episode 18 uh, of this wonderful podcast. And uh, we've got a great guest, uh, of course, today as well. It's a good way to uh, kick off the week. It's the first day of June, Aaron Smith, but uh, we get a chance to start it. With Verity Crawley. And uh, in a normal circumstance, Aaron, on a Monday podcast, we would talk about how our weekends have gone. Um, but uh, And generally, they would, they would be a, a very positive uh, a note of some kind to share. But i got to be honest with you, Aaron Smith, this, was, uh, this weekend and, and this week has not been uh, the best, I know, for me personally. Uh, a lot of folks that I know personally, a lot of people obviously around the country, um, and especially for me as an African-American, as a black man uh, in this country and uh, watching another black man, uh, his death on Monday, speaking of George Floyd and what has transpired since then. And it's not just Monday. Uh, we've had a couple incidents there during this month. Uh, and those things just continue and continue and continue to uh, add up. And there's a lot of folks, obviously, out there who are tired of it. I'm one of them. Uh, mentally drained, fatigued. Um uh, it's just tough, man. It's been a difficult week, a difficult weekend. Uh, obviously, this podcast is not about that, but I would be remiss if I didn't come to you today and, and speak truthfully from the heart uh, of what I'm actually feeling. Um, Aaron, I know that uh, we've had many talks across our, our years of uh, not only friendship, but certainly uh, what we do professionally. And um, I, I know that you have uh at least take, taken the opportunity to to uh engage and uh take what's happening in and uh you know think about some of the things that uh are also happening in this country right now yes emil and uh and, and thanks for thanks for sharing as well and yes it's certainly been a been a very uh crazy couple of days and uh yeah without taking up too much time here it's uh you know f- for me it's been a lot of a lot of learning and a lot, and a lot of listening, uh, because, you know, a common phrase out there is, you know, you talk to someone, uh, you know, I can imagine I had that very same conversation this weekend with someone talking about their kids and, uh, you know, homeschooling and all that and kind of everything going on. And, and, uh, you know, I, I said that to kind of keep the conversation going, although I have no idea about that. And, you know, that, that's certainly where a lot of this comes from too. Um, but, you know, th- throughout the week, I-, I tried to take in as much as I could, try to learn and listen as much as I could. And, uh, you know, it, it, it was tough. It, there was a lot of, a lot of stuff out there that was, you know, rough to watch, tough to watch. Uh, but at the same time, I, and this is something you start off many broadcasts, many shows with, uh, you know, speaking to the good people of earth. And, uh, we, we know there are a, a very, 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 very large amount of good people of earth out there doing the right thing. And, uh, you know, trying to make make everything better for everybody. So, uh, you know, ju- just a hope everyone's safe. Emil, I hope you and your uh, your family are safe as well. 
Uh, and I appreciate that, Aaron. And, uh, you know, the good people of Earth out there, we, we need those good people. Uh, we, we need them to um, be, help be the change. Stand up, um, fight, do do what you think you need to do. Um, I would say it, do it in a smart way. I, I do believe there are some some opportunists folks out there right now who are who are kind of praying in a sense and uh, praying on the situation, uh, which is not what you want, but uh, that that's possible or that's the that that's part of of what is happening. Um, but you know, there's been a there's been many years, Aaron Smith, of uh, of mistreatment, and folks are just tired, and that's just the the, the bottom line on that. Uh, but good people of Earth, uh, do what you can, uh, stand up. And uh, we we appreciate all you do. Appreciate what Aaron Smith has done and, and what we've talked about today. And uh, you know, this will this will be the end of our of our convo. Obviously, we've got a great guest to talk to you about. But if you want to talk to me about it personally, please don't hesitate. Uh, I'm always available uh, to chat. Uh, having said that, we'll switch gears uh, to someone who uh, is not of this country, and uh, England uh, is the country of origin. And there's one fact before we get into it that is the funniest thing. She she has a certain thing about bacon, and uh, we'll talk about that on the podcast here in a second. But that is Verity Crawley, ladies and gentlemen. Um, Aaron, what are we watching? Uh, we just got a little clip. We're going to borrow it from Verity's uh, YouTube page, so be sure to go and follow, subscribe to Verity. But just a couple shots. Because it's good to see bowling and strikes. So, without further ado, hi, hello, Verity. hello. Verity Crawley is the PWA podcast guest for today. How you doing? I am great because you said bacon, and it instantly put a smile <laughs> on my face. <laughs> yeah, like before we even get started, I know that uh, you know most people, um, you know myself included. When we think bacon, we we think uh, what is now, of course, when when I talk with you, it's the American version of bacon. But I know that's that you're not the biggest fan of that version of bacon. Which which version do you like? The English back bacon <laughs> that actually has meat versus just being crispy fat. Not that I okay, so it's not that I don't dislike American sure. bacon. I would eat it on a burger, but to have a breakfast, you know, bacon and eggs in the morning. And to just eat crispy fat, that boggles my mind. English bacon is its closer to ham, closer to Canadian bacon. It's quite salty. It's just delicious. Oh, I'm, I'm still, uh, that's still <laughs> on my list to, to try. Because we've, we've had this kind of a, uh, conversation before. And I obviously yet to, to experience it. So I, I, I do want to definitely have the taste test yeah. uh, at and some you, point. You can order. I do have quite a lot of packs in my freezer currently. Okay. Um, there are some either British shops or some butchers that do sell like English or Irish packed bacon. How how do you prepare it? Now I'm curious. Well, you can cook it in the microwave. That's not okay. the best way to do it. I just do it in a frying pan. Okay, um, so that part might be normal. Okay. Yeah, no, it's it's very easy to cook. You know, there's nothing crazy about it. You just do it in a frying pan. Flip it over, get both sides, and the smell is unbelievable. Like that smell in the morning. Whenever I go home and my mom makes me a, a bacon sandwich and I can smell it from upstairs and it just makes me happy and I want to run down the stairs and eat it. 
Well, I'm glad we could uh, give you such good memories at this at this moment of time. <laughs> Honestly, it's, pretty... it's bad to bring up English. <laughs> I'm so excited. Uh, so, uh, having said all of that, uh, I know and we know that you've been busy. And I, uh, we, we were chatting last week in preparation for this. I, I feel like you were the busiest person uh, during the quarantine, which which is kind of an oxymoron in a sense. But you've you've stayed busy. Your social media is packed with. Uh, you know, drills and, and ways to stay active in the sport all the way to the point where uh, now you're in a situation and in an area of the country that you can actually participate physically in the sport. So what's been happening this last couple of months for you? Yeah, definitely. I really have tried to stay busy. Actually, when you had reached out to me, I was in the middle of doing a live video. Obviously, there has been a decent amount of live videos each week. Different people are putting them on. At, at the beginning of quarantine, myself and Diana were like, okay, every week we'll you know, do a live video on Instagram. And we kind of faded away from that just because there's been so many people doing them and um, we've been guests on them a lot. So uh, I've definitely done that. I did, as soon as I realized that I couldn't bowl, I drove down to Florida um, versus being in Savannah just so that, you know, I would maybe have access to Kegel, but that ended up closing too. So I ended up setting out, setting up a little bowling lane in the house uh, with some cushions. And I really didn't know how long it was going to take until we'd be get, getting back into bowling. And I wanted to make sure that I was going to be ready as soon as I would be able to hit the lanes again. And I'd actually been injured leading up to quarantine. So it was kind of a blessing in disguise I think for me that the PWBA tour didn't happen when it happened because I don't think I would have been ready I, I genuinely don't know if I'd have been able to bowl the first event so for me it was actually very good to have a little bit of time to fully heal um, you know take some time to not necessarily I wasn't bowling so that was actually good for me and it was I was forced to not bowl it's really difficult for me not to practice so to actually not have access to do that was probably the best thing that could have happened so um, I did spend a lot of time doing drills at home. I've been working on my mental game and I decided that I wanted to learn something new. So I taught myself how to use Photoshop. And from there, I started my own Patreon page and I've just been making loads of educational content that I can put on there and I need to promote that a little bit more. Um, but I've really just been making content for it that can try and, you know, inspire people and just help people really. Obviously, right now, a lot of people don't get to bowl. So I've just been trying to be be out there, be on social media. I've tried to step up my social media a little bit more just because so many people are on it right now. You know, they, they want to see things. They want to see positive things. So I want to be that source for those people. Excellent. And Photoshop, that's, you know, we're, we're, at, we're actually doing that a lot as well. So we're getting yeah, trying. It's been something. <laughs> it's been something I've always wanted to learn just because, I mean, obviously, I, li I like social media and I want to have good posts. So I, and being around SCAD, that's something they do all the time. And mm -hmm. I'm like, OK, well, maybe, you know, I, I want to learn. I want to learn. And I just never did it. You know, I never sat down and took the time to do it. And obviously, it takes a lot of playing around and trial and error. And I've watched so many YouTube videos on how to do specific tasks. But, yeah, that's been it's a work in progress. It certainly is. Photoshop always evolving. Uh, you know, you talked about, uh, obviously, kind of Georgia, Florida kind of opened up, uh, was one of the earliest states to open up as far as bowling. And yeah. uh, I know from following a few folks from Florida that, uh, you know, a few tournaments have even popped up so far. So, and then mm -hmm. we know you were, uh, you were competing a week or two ago, and I believe over this weekend. So uh, what was it like to get back into the competitive aspect of it and just kind of tell us about your performances? 
Yeah, so the last two weekends, um, I had tournaments to bowl in Florida, and they were just local, you know, four game, five game sweepers um, on a house shot. But at this point, I, you know, I was going to take anything I could get, regardless of what pan it was on. I just wanted to bowl. Um, last weekend, I well, week before that, I finished fifth, and then this past weekend, I finished fourth. Um, but getting back into it, it was. It was kind of weird because everything felt normal. Like I was expecting it to feel very different, but you know, there was a decent amount of people there and it just, it didn't feel like this pandemic happened. So it was kind of nice, you know, it felt very normal and I was very comfortable and I was just so happy to be bowling. And I genuinely think, and I think a lot of people will notice this, that when you get back to it, you really start to appreciate it a little bit more. And it was that aspect of, okay, well, it's the weekend I have to bowl something. You know, I didn't have any doubt in my mind that I was going to bowl because I've just gone for however many weeks without being able to bowl. So the minute I could bowl something, it was like, well, yeah, okay, I'm going. <laughs> now, in your uh, your post from this weekend, you mentioned that our good friend, Double J, John Janowitz, shot two 300s and averaged 276. Yes. Unbelievable. It's I bowled with him on the same pair, and we started the first game. Both of us <laughs> had front nine. <laughs> Right, he's he's going first. He shoots three hundred. We could have both shot three hundred the first game, and Verity did not strike no. in the tenth frame. But just to watch him and how much he struck was was pretty cool. Double J Hall of Famer. Wow. The saddest part about it is that he didn't end up winning because we bowled um, a step ladder finals and he lost his match in the final, which just shows sometimes how that one game can really change things you know he averaged 276 for the whole tournament and then loses that in one game that is the element that is the element certainly um you know obviously uh when kind of the world began to shut down uh one one of the big aspects in the bowling world that was all aspects were affected but you know one of them that really hit home for a lot of people was the collegiate bowling world uh with sectionals getting ready to essentially start that very weekend and um as an assistant over as as you mentioned at scad uh you know that team uh, both the men's and the women's showed a lot of promise showed a lot of a lot of talent this year and uh were poised to make a, a great run at the itcs uh so you know for the team what was that moment kind of like you know what was the what were the talks like what were the feelings from them and uh, just kind of after all that, all that news came out. Yeah, it was hard. We were actually on our way to sectionals. We were two hours away and we had just heard about the NAIA being postponed, which was our event that was going to be afterwards. And we're on our way. We're two hours away. We're just having a chat with all of the players and we're talking about NAIA and what might happen. And we finish our chat. We all look at our phones and sectionals have been cancelled. And we were like, no, like everyone was obviously so upset. We didn't know what it meant, obviously. The players had so many questions that myself and Katie just couldn't answer. You know, we knew as much as they knew. And I think obviously eventually when everything, we had some hope that, you know, maybe we'll in a couple of weeks, everything will be back to normal, but we really didn't know what was going to happen. Um, it was hard this year. I think especially for Katie, because this year's seniors were the original seniors. So the mm. program's only been in existence for four years and this was the fourth year. So for those seniors to go out and not have the opportunity to compete for a national championship obviously was hard. And I mean, they didn't even get to graduate in terms of they don't get to have a graduation ceremony. And I think that was one of the harder things for us as coaches was seeing the first program 
people and just the way that it ended for them. So I think that was what was kind of really difficult. Um, but in terms of how they took it, I think they really understood that, you know, we have to prepare for everything and anything. And we don't really instill the character of, oh, you have to win. It's, it's for us at SCAD, it's not necessarily all based around that one tournament. And I think that really helped us and helped the players because there wasn't so much emphasis on, okay, you have to go and win a national championship. You know, just the culture that we have there, it's, you know, it's more about the journey and the experiences that they learned along the way. And I think that that really helped just knowing that it's not the end of the world, that they didn't get to win. It's an excellent, uh, excellent mindset to have. I'm curious, uh, what, what has SCAB meant to you at this point? Now, has it been a few, let's see, how many? Three or two? Yeah, three. Uh, three? three. And yeah, so... And uh, so I feel that you are obviously fully invested in, 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 you know, in the trenches, so to speak. So what has the program and getting this opportunity to uh, coach and, and, and give back in that, in that sense meant to uh, not only you personally, but even on the lanes a little bit as well? I think it's been very special. I think more than anything, it's helped me in my own bowling, um, which, you know, I didn't know. I didn't know what to expect going into it. I knew that I wanted to be around bowling. I'd done a little bit of coaching before um, and I get on very well with Katie. So we didn't know what to expect. We didn't know if we were even going to get on well together, you know, whether I was going to benefit the program. We had no idea what to expect, but just the way that things came together and the way that we work together is, is really great. I think. Um, and I definitely think it's, even though it's, you know, prevented me from maybe bowling some events because a lot of the weekends are taken up with college bowling. I think from watching the players and developing them has also developed myself. So I think that's been a really huge benefit. Is it tougher to stand on the sidelines than, than being there with the team? Yes, it's tough. <laughs> it's stressful. And it definitely also makes me question myself a little bit, you know, if they bowl bad or if, I maybe make a wrong decision or I make a decision that doesn't end up being right. Obviously I blame myself for it. And if they don't fall good, I blame myself. And that's been something that I struggled with. You know, they have a bad, bad event and I'm like, well, it was a coach's fault, you know, and not that I would not saying that they should blame themselves at all, but I definitely would say I blame myself a little bit more um, than I probably should. Um, and it just, it definitely made me appreciate coaches and made me appreciate Randy a lot more and kind of what he dealt with coaching me throughout my uh, collegiate season. Oh, sorry. No, no, we'll, we'll get into that in a couple, a uh, couple of minutes here, but uh, one more question I had about, uh, about SCAD and, uh, you know, we talked about the team making progress and how, you know, for some of these players, their fourth year in the program, uh, two players in particular, Benjamin Martinez and Dylan Byers had uh, phenomenal seasons, uh, earning first team All-American in uh, NCBCA and NAIA. Uh, Benjamin was player of the year for NAIA. Mm -hmm. uh, so just uh, kind of speak to a little bit of their growth as players. I know for both of them, that was their first time making it onto the first team. Uh, so that's a pretty big leap to make. So just what were you know, the things they were working on to move on to the next level. Well, it's crazy because coming to SCAD, I think they were both very good bowlers, you know, physical game wise. If we look at a video of them from year one to year four, they've probably not really changed a whole lot. But I think a lot of it has to do with their attitude and they've both just grown as people. And I think that's really helped them. I think their mental game has got stronger. And I think they both really stood up as leaders this year. Um, 
and they you know they had a, a group of people kind of following them and looking up to them and I think that was huge and I don't think that they ever went into events thinking oh I need to make all tournament team or anything like that you know they just wanted to bowl they genuinely love bowling and they love the team and that's the one of the things I love most about SCAD is the team genuinely like each other you know like the guys team especially like that they're, they're so close maybe almost too close um, <laughs> but because they like each other and they, they've got each other's backs and I think that shows in their bowling you know Ben gets up there and he wants to strike every single frame but it's not for him it's for his team that's a that's an excellent point and, and mm-hmm. one that um it's probably underrated to me personally uh, having been a collegiate player we've, we've all bowled collegially at some level uh, on this podcast, so we know from uh, from the team perspective, uh, I'm 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 big on the on the chemistry aspect. So you know, it's it's not surprising to hear uh, a team that close have success certainly on the lanes when you're supporting one another off the lanes and hanging out and going to movies and you know maybe some other uh, athletic event on campus, whatever it is. Those things do help, I think, translate into success on the lanes. Yeah, definitely. I mean, just to see how they actually get on is is very it's it's just good. Obviously, I, I don't even know how to put it, but it's just it's nice to see that they genuinely care for one another. Yeah. You know, they want the best for each other. There's no animosity there. There's no oh, I don't want you to strike because then you're going to beat me. Like that that's not a thing. Now, if I'm not, uh, I believe I'm correct. There was one senior on the women's team, and I know you have coached uh, or generally coached the the, the women's squad often, uh, Veronica. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Uh, what does she mean to the program and just kind of talk a little bit about about her steps as a player as well I think this year she was I mean she was the leader of the women's program you know she was the heart of the program this year and she she wanted it you know she wanted to step up all the time for the team Um, she definitely had the team in her best interests and it's going to be interesting next year to see how things are without her because she really was everyone loved her you know she was just that that ball of energy, that smiling person that, you know, they say smiles are contagious. And the minute she smiles, everyone else smiles. Um, and I mean, she's a strong competitor on the lanes as well. You know, she can, she can definitely strike. So it's going to be interesting to see how things are without her. But I think she's def- she's another one whose physical game was good before she came to SCAD. Um, she's definitely had to make a lot of changes in terms of axis rotation and axis tilt. And I think that this year really clicked for her and I definitely see myself a lot in her a lot of our conversations she'll ask me a question and I'm like well I asked the same thing when I was at Weber you know there's so much and everything that she works on whether it's speed or axis rotation I feel like it's something that I went through and this year it really clicked for her in terms of she was finally able to you know roll the ball a little bit more and control her ball motion on fresh which again is something that I've been through so I was I really wanted to see her at a national championships just because she had developed so much in this past year that I was excited to actually see her take that into some competition. And I think for her, the mental game has, has been huge. She definitely doesn't have enough confidence in herself. And I hope that since now she's graduating, she can go on, maybe bowl some PWBA events. And I just hope that she starts to believe in herself a little bit more and realizes how much potential she does have. Fantastic! Thank you for uh, for sharing some of your stu- uh, stories of your student athletes with us. And uh, you know, for a lot of folks, they and you mentioned Weber International. Uh, coming from England, how did you kind of end up uh, getting in contact with with Weber? What was kind of the 
uh, process from coming across the pond, essentially. Yeah, so what actually happened was I bowled the European Youth Championships in Denmark, and that was in April of 2012. And up until that point, I was planning on going to university in England. I'd not considered coming to the US at all. It wasn't on my radar. I bowled very good at those European Youth Championships. And I had a couple of universities that had obviously seen my results and they messaged me and said, hey, would you be interested in coming to America? And I thought the idea was great, but I didn't want to go to somewhere cold, which sounds crazy, (laughs) but the universities that had messaged me, I'm like, if I'm going to go, if I'm going to leave, I don't want to go somewhere that's cold. And then I actually got a message from Sid Allen, who's one of the best coaches in the world. And he messaged me and said, hey, would you be interested in Weber? You would have the opportunity to train at the Kegel Training Center. And one, I'm like, that's in Florida. That's going to be good weather. (laughs) But two, obviously Kegel. I mean, to have the opportunity to practice there every day I was like I'm, I'm sold <laughs> so I ended up sending some videos of myself to Sid and he forwarded them to Del Warren and it kind of all just skyrocketed from there so I made that decision at the end of April and I was there in August so it was all very quick and I think it was probably a good thing that it happened quickly otherwise I would have thought too much about being so far away from home and if I'd have had a year to think about it I, I don't know if I would have gone um so yeah, that was I, I hadn't even spoken to Randy, who was the head coach of the women's program. I, we'd not said hi, nothing. I showed up at Kegel and he was there. And I was like, oh, hi. And he didn't know I was coming. <laughs> so it was kind of just crazy how things worked out. But without Sid messaging me about things, then I wouldn't I wouldn't have ended up getting there because it's not like the coaches from Weber had reached out to me or anything. It was all because of Sid. How about that? That's interesting. That is that is very interesting. Uh, I do want to take this moment to let folks know uh, if you have a question for Verity, we will try to uh, get those to her and answer some on the air. Uh, we generally do it a couple times per broadcast, kind of midway through and towards the end. So we're reaching the halfway point uh, at the moment. So Verity, if you don't mind, we got a couple questions already. Yeah, let's do that. Uh, first, I'm just going to show uh, this this wonderful comment at the bottom there from from Brandon. <laughs> Um, and I think that just really kind of goes to show uh, what you and your presence, especially on social media, has meant to a lot of uh, bowlers, but certainly uh, I think young female athletes as well. Yeah, and I think that's why I continue to do it is because I see that influence, whether it's through a message or whether it's a video or whether it's somebody coming up to me in a tournament or a pro-am. I think that's what really makes me continue to do it because I see the difference that's being made. All right, so Mark. Well, I'm sorry, my fat. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say that all I want is for people to bowl. So whatever I can do oh, yes. to get people involved <laughs> in the sport is that's what I'm going to do. Now, now, here's the real challenge for you, though, Verdi. How do you get Emil to bowl? That is a good question. That wasn't even on the list. I can, I can work on that. I've not even I haven't thought about that one before, but I think I could persuade him. Okay. Right. He, he talks a lot of game on the broadcast about bowling, and then he never does. So we need, yeah, exactly. we need an instigator. You can't just be all talk, so we'll have to change that. Uh, all right. Next question. I, I will. I will change it. Next question is from. from See, Chris I've already Pulliam. already done it. He said he's going to change it. There you go. There we go. I've said that a lot though, so don't don't. Hold but your you've breath. said it live on air. Therefore, we have proof. Therefore, if you don't do it, it's you're going to have consequences. Uh, Chris X, you know Chris Pulliam. Um, you've obviously had experience with uh, immigrating to the U.S. And you've worked in immigration law. Have you mm-hmm. ever had the opportunity to help any of your fellow bowlers with their own immigration process? It's a very good question. Um, the only I have helped Daria 
So once we both graduated from Weber, we were both on a specific visa that allowed us to work for a little bit. We got that for a year. And then once that ended, we both had to look into other options. So I did help her. Um, but that's the only person that I've really had any contact with in terms of in terms of helping. So it's a nightmare. I hate the fact that I have to have a visa. And I don't think anybody realizes how much of a pain it is and how much paperwork you have to present to the government. But it's an absolute nightmare. I've learned a little bit about the, the process, certainly not a lot, but just from talking to players like you, Verity, uh, Daria, for example, uh, you know, Diana uh, a little bit as well. Um, yeah, uh, yeah I, I, I do hope whatever that process is, maybe it can be improved in, in some facets. Uh, yeah, I, under, I understand why they do it. Um, it definitely makes a lot of sense. But for somebody who's been in the country for a while now and has done everything the right way, obviously, sometimes it it's just a, it's a little tricky, but. Um, Michael, I'm here for right now. <laughs> yes, you are. Uh, well, until you bring us some bacon. Uh, anyway, <laughs> um, Michael asks, what's the biggest challenge for you bowling in a in a uh, new foreign country? So I imagine you can take this from uh, you know when you when you first went to Weber. What were the biggest challenges kind of facing a new country? I don't think bowling wise, I really mm-hmm. faced many challenges because in the end, it's a, a bowling ball, some pins, and a lane. You know, everything is very similar, but I think just being away from home was my biggest challenge when I first came to the US. And I would say that's still my biggest challenge to this day. It's so hard being so far away. Um, so, yeah, like, obviously, I, I can't really say the language. I would say, you know, it's hard. I'm in a, in a different language, but it, it is the same. There's a, a few differences and a few spelling or pronunciation, but that didn't really affect me all that much. Um, okay. One thing I did, my, my dad mentioned this to me the other day because I got asked a similar question on a different live video. And something that really infuriates me is that there's not enough pavements. You can't go for a walk. And I know that sounds crazy, but if you want to go, if I want to leave the apartment complex I'm in right now and I want to walk to the co- closest shop or the mall, which is literally around the corner, there is no pavement in order for me to walk on. So I'd have to walk on the mm. road. Interesting. That's yeah, so good. That, that is weird, weird little thing. But that's something that yeah. I definitely notice is walking is not a very big thing in, in the US. And I think that shows with the fact there's no pavements to walk on. So people can't walk. I do think it does depend on uh, certain areas. Like I've seen there's actually certain areas in my neighborhood where there's there is some pavement or uh, sidewalk, for example, and then it kind of turns and weaves, and then you're back in the grass, so to speak. Yeah, so and then it, it just disappears. It so is. it's like you're halfway on your on your route, yeah. and then you're in the grass. And I, I don't call it a sidewalk either. I, I noticed. I, I wanted to make sure I got <laughs> sidewalk in. <laughs> I, heard that. I had to pick up on it. Uh, all right, final question for now is from Jasmine. Uh, this is a difficult one. She asked, if you had to choose, uh, would you pick Diana or Daria as a doubles partner? LOL, she put that. So, (laughs) trying to cause some tension here. I I would pick Diana. Why? To me, I think Diana's better. Okay. I think spare shooting wise and shot repeatability wise, she is better. I would say that Daria can strike a little bit more, but I would rather have the closed frames. Okay, we're going to ask Dario the same question. Not to say Dario is bad at all because Dario is brilliant, but I just want to, that would be my my answer. 
No, that's a very respectful answer. And mm-hmm. uh, we'll, we're going to ask Daria the same question on Wednesday. And she's going to uh, take neither of them. If you got any more questions for Verity while we have her, please don't hesitate to uh, drop a couple questions. Uh, we will try to get to those at the uh, at the end of the show. Uh, speaking of Daria and, and Diana, you got a, obviously got a chance to spend a lot of time with them at uh, Weber. Uh, you guys were teammates, uh, of course, for the Warriors. So... Uh, tell us just about your first impressions of them, how you guys kind of met or meshed um, as teammates, and then um, you know, did you know them prior at all with your time bowling for Team England? It's funny because at Weber we weren't really that good friends. Like compared to right now, we definitely, I mean, we didn't hang out or anything like that. We were just bowling on the same team. Um, I met Diana back in 2008 at the United, or 2007, sorry, at the United World Games in Vienna. But it was a very, you know, I'm a young bowler, my first time bowling for Junior Team England. And everyone's like, oh, my God, that's Diana. That's Diana. So I don't even really remember meeting her. I remember we have this photo where we're, you know, we're on opposite ends of the photo and she doesn't remember meeting me. And I, I don't really remember meeting her. But um, up until that point, I'd not met Daria either. So I came to Weber and it's it's funny, the first day I met Daria and we were, we were chatting, you know, both freshman at the time in the US not really knowing what's going on and we're like oh what what room are you in or where are you staying so we both said where we're staying and it turned out that we were staying in the same room so we had no idea that we were actually roommates (laughs) um, until we were bowling at Kegel and she's like well I'm in Camilla room whatever it was I don't Uh remember now and I'm like well I'm in that too like how can that be (laughs) so it ended up for about maybe not even a, a week maybe two weeks we were in the same room and then Daria decided to move out and I still say that was because she didn't want a room with me, but she uh, <laughs> she wanted to have a, it was a shared room and she decided that she wanted to have a room to herself. So she decided to move buildings. Um, but yeah, during our time at Weber, we, we obviously got on, don't get me wrong, but we never really hung out or anything like that. We had our different groups of friends. Um, and I would definitely say that since graduating, we've definitely got a lot closer. Well, we do have some photos here. So this is the post-graduation photos uh, of what uh, what folks are used to seeing nowadays out on the lanes. Oh. <laughs> when we made the show together. We all made the show at uh, St. Pete, but we got another photo here. We're going to brace go back, yourself. Going to go back a little bit farther. Uh, <laughs> 2014. Give me a second here. This this techno technology Let stuff. But NAI championship. Uh, no, we are at the it's close night of champions banquet. Okay, ITC at the ITC. <laughs> so 2014, we have uh, you're sitting Look at down. Diana's there. hair. I think that's the biggest difference. She, I would agree. <laughs> I, I would agree. Every time I see a photo, kind of of Diana, kind of pre 2016 ish. Don't I'd you like, prefer it? I'd be like, what? I, I just, I just have to remind myself that uh, you know, she she doesn't always have uh, her present day uh, haircut or, or look. Yeah, got uh, a good team right there. Who's Darian? in the photo? I think we know most, Taylor. but just in case the so folks don't, we have Amber, then Randy, then Daria, Taylor, Caitlin, uh, Mail, Anneli Blump. I can't even say her last name. Blumpgist from mm-hmm. Sweden. Um, she bowls a couple of tour events yep. and myself, mm-hmm. Diana and Camilla Damas, who also is, she's from Aruba and she bowls a couple of tour events as well. Yeah, very, very impressive team right there. 
that's a good squad, man. That is that, that is tough. Yes, yeah. especially when you think if, about... even if you look back the two years before that, where we had Katie, we had Stephanie Martins. The teams were stacked, and we never really achieved a whole lot. We won two NAIA championships, mm-hmm. but ITC wise, I felt like we were eliminated as soon as we could be eliminated, and that just shows that it's not always about the talent that you have on the team. Indeed, it is. Uh... From the from the PWBA perspective, as we kind of we move forward, and a lot of those uh, uh, pictures and players that we that we just watched or saw in that photo, now we obviously see kind of present day on tour. Uh, you being one of them, obviously. So, you know, you've been close and incredibly close uh, to to reaching that that pinnacle and and, and grabbing that first win. Um, but what have you learned since turning pro, since becoming a professional? Which at this point seems way back in you know 2017. <laughs> uh, at this point, what have you learned uh, about yourself personally uh, and about your game? I think the biggest thing for me is how big the mental game is in bowling, and I think I've you know I've always known that, but the realization, really realizing how important it is. You know, I had a mental psychologist, sports psychologist when I was very young and I felt like it helped me, but I then kind of faded away from it and I didn't necessarily focus on my mental game as much as I should. And I think especially when I was at Weber, I worked so much on physical, physical, physical. And now I'm kind of having that realization that regardless of how good you throw it, if your mind's not in it, then it really doesn't matter. Um, I think that's probably one of the biggest takeaways. Obviously, tour is not easy by far and it's it's physically demanding, but it's also mentally demanding as well. And I would say more mentally demanding than anything. And I think that's one of the biggest things to take away. And if there's anyone who's looking to become a professional bowler or who has just got their PWA card or anything like that, I think if you can really mentally stay strong and just believe in yourself more than anything, you know, if, if you don't have that confidence in yourself, then you're never going to really get anywhere. And I remember that being uh, something we, you and I talked about uh, after Twin Cities uh, last season, obviously uh, a runner-up finish, uh, a great performance that week. But I remember you echoing that, that essentially you were, uh, you know, you were happy with how you're bowling. You were ready to make those next steps and, uh, you know, essentially put yourself in contention to to win every week. And, and that was uh, – you know, obviously that's always a tough position to be in, you know, you're that close to a win, but uh, I really appreciated, you know, just your mindset and kind of how you verbalized everything and how you thought of the process instead of just being, you know, frustrated, which you easily could have been. All right. Next question. (laughs) Uh, now, this one, uh, you know, I'm going to throw it back to Emil uh, because I know he, he got to witness it. He got to be a part of it. But uh, obviously, uh, Sonoma County in 2018 won the uh, most classic title matches of all time. So, Emil, I'll, uh, I'll prepare a little clip to get us going, but I'll, uh, I'll send it your way. Well, I mean, the, 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 <laughs> the basics of it, if you will, um, is the, the, the pattern was just, you know, it wasn't it wasn't calling for what the scores were in the final match in the championship match, which made it even more incredible to watch Verity and Shannon uh, essentially do what they did. Match, the tour championship last year. Let's 
speaking of the tour championship. Verity, when you just think back to this this match, this moment, I'm not, I'm not sure if people left this match saying, hey, I know who Verity Crawley is. I, I think most people probably had an idea at that point, but did you feel almost like, hey, this is an arrival-type moment for me in a sense, or was it business as usual? No, I don't think so. I think it was business as usual. I mean, I'd made a couple of shows the previous year, um, and to me, obviously, it wasn't on TV, and it was... Like the year before, all of the shows were taped, so I never got to bowl a finals in the actual bowling center. So for me, it was that excitement of okay, well, I qualified, and now I'm I get to bowl the finals in the actual bowling center. And to me, that was something that I was just looking forward to. You know, I just I just wanted to bowl. But the, the lanes were brutal leading up to it, and. I don't know what happened in that final match for the scores to be like they were. Like I, I think both Shannon and I definitely, you know, we got lucky. We went Brooklyn a couple of times, and I think that we kind of just really took advantage of that. You know, they say take advantage of your breaks, and I think that we did. And obviously, one person strikes, another person strikes, and we kind of just kept going back and forth with one another. Yeah, two sixty eight to two sixty six. Even think about it now, uh, and that's that's a match that we often go back to. I think even just as fans of the sport, because it was that electrifying and also that weird uh, in a sense as well. That you know we could have basically twenty four, thirty two games <laughs> leading up to that moment, and there were no scores close to to what you two were able. Um, to produce were did, did anything in the in the uh well i would ask just leading up to the title match and, and the qualifying prior to um what was the look like for you on that pattern and especially was it different i don't remember the distance what do you remember the distance honestly that event is very much of a blur to me i feel like i have to almost watch it back to have the memory and i have everything written down i probably should have like looked it up but i just remember that fresh was really hard and i drilled a ball specifically for fresh um that ball i used in the finals i'd not used all of qualifying Mm -hmm. which is something i think a lot of people end up doing that and obviously the ball reps have their suggestions but i uh the practice leading up to that final match i was not very happy and i had a couple of heated discussions um with the ball reps that were helping me and i was a little bit aggravated going into that final match if i'm honest and i wasn't entirely sure whether i was going to be throwing the right ball um, that's, that's all I really remember. And I just remember, you know, I started striking and I, I went with it. I just started to trust the fact that, okay, this is what I should be doing right now. And I've just got to make the best shots that I can. And I, I, there were some shots that weren't as good and I probably beat myself up a little bit too much on those shots. Despite not winning yet, what have been some of the more rewarding experiences so far for you on tour? I think, I mean, obviously every time I've made a finals, it is very rewarding. But I think the last show that I made, the fact that I ran the ladder, that's something that I definitely remember the most. And the only reason I ran, well, to even get into the ladder, I shot a huge game to knock Liz Johnson out. And I I remember that a lot. And um, that kind of, you know, gives me that fire and realization that I am good enough and I, I definitely struggled with confidence in the past like I, I know that I throw the ball good but when you don't necessarily get the results I start to beat myself up a little bit too much because I'm like well I throw it good but what's what's happening why aren't I winning and I think I put too much focus on that and I put too much focus on winning and I didn't really have that realization until tour ended last year and I really sat down and I thought about 
what what's happening each and every event you know I tend to start the season very good and then as the season goes it, it kind of goes downhill because I start thinking way too much um, so I definitely evaluated how things went and I think that's why I ended up bowling very good at the US Open um, that I bowled in October because mindset wise I was completely different than I was on the women's tour yeah that's that's a great point I'm glad you brought that mm-hmm. up because uh that that was I I think that moment again going back to kind of people knew who you were but you know it's always different when you get a chance to see a, a woman have success I think on the PBA tour uh and we've talked to players on this podcast Liz Kelly uh for example Claire has made a show you know Danielle was had made a match play at the World Series this year prior to to COVID so what was the experience like for you um, going from, you know, step to step, you know, at the U.S. Open um, and, and making, obviously, uh, lots of noise and, and really just frames away from, uh, from, from from doing some amazing stuff. Yeah, I just, I, I really enjoyed it. That's all it really came down to is I didn't have any expectations going into the event. And obviously that definitely helped. But my my saying for that week was embrace the moment. And I, you know, I wrote it on pretty much every piece of paper I had whilst I was bowling. And I think that's literally what it was. You know, I made the most of being there and competing against the best men in the world. Normally I'm competing against the best women in the world. And I think sometimes I take that for granted. You know, you look to your left and you see Liz Johnson, you look to your right and you have Kelly Kulik and you kind of get in your own bubble and just bowl and kind of forget to really enjoy the fact that you're there and you don't get to do that every day. And now obviously I'm really wanting that to happen. And I think bowling that men's U S open and being so close, I think, I don't know. I just had a very good mindset and it wasn't actually until I realized, you know, I made the cut and then I was looking to making it to match play. And I think mm-hmm. I bowled my way out of it, you know, because I got back into my old mindset. Um, and I think if I, I, I struggled a little bit, you know, about making that match play. And I I thought too much about it up until that point. I'd not even thought about the fact of, you know, making it through the PTQ or making it to the next cut. But when I was getting ready to make it to match play, I thought too much about it and I bowled my way out of it. That's all that it was. And I missed it by, you know, three pins and then Mm -hmm. I beat myself up about it. But I was extremely happy with how I bowled. And I still think that that's honestly my best performance to this day. You know, even if I take some of my PWBA shows, I still think that, mentally i was just in such a good place and that's my best performance that i've had and for those who are curious and or, or need a reminder we are talking about the 2018 u.s open um that was held in mooresville north carolina as we already just mentioned uh, just missed match play and uh i obviously remember following the the entire week and aaron was there uh aaron you were there right I was. It was 2019. It was 2019. Yeah. Oh yeah, right, right. You're right. I was like, last year. Sorry, made the run in 2019. You're right. You're right. Um, That was February, right? Or yes, it was was October. October. We had the two right after each other. So yeah, that's the okay. Well, anyway, so we'll let that one. Well, well, anyway, Uh, I just remember that. uh, Remember watching the Cashers round the first game, and uh, it was on the new pattern at that point, and just. There were, there were just so many bewildered looks uh, on many players' faces about the about the pattern. So to do what you did and, and, and obviously give yourself a chance, uh, it was excellent to see. Uh, and then you hung out with us on Bolt TV for a little bit, and even offered to get us ice cream uh, <laughs> later later I mean, in the week. I, I did not. I did. I didn't at the time. I, I wanted it, but I was like, 
if I eat this ice cream, then I'm not might not pay attention to what's happening. So uh, I'm gonna have to take I think a rain the fans check. would have understood for the ice cream. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I appreciate that um, as well. Uh, Aaron, what's next? What is next? Uh, well, we're talking about uh, continuing on with big PWBA moments, and uh, one of them that uh, Meal also got to be a part of was. Uh, prior to making the show in St. Pete, you went on a pretty impressive run, 23 strikes in a row over the course of two games uh, through that. So we got that clip queued up as well. We get some classic Emil Williams Jr. calls. And if you've been watching this podcast all day, you know we talked about, or she talked about JJ and his couple, his two 300s bowling uh, the, uh, just a few days ago. And here is Verity doing something similar. See, as the front JJ was doing the lanes for that one. The previous game. Which makes that total 20 consecutive strikes across two games, across two pairs. First one in the 10. Bang! And they've all looked like that. They did. He's got 21 <laughs> of them. He's going It's getting quiet. Crawley, 411. Bang! Back to back bangs from Emil. That's uh, so much excitement you, from me. You, too. you don't see those too often. You cannot throw it better than that. And if Verity's got another level, if she can throw it better than that, then watch out, world. All right, here it is. Full shot. Verity crawled the deep breath. For perfection. Bang! Verity Crawley not only shoots 300, she shoots 290 the previous game. I just remember the previous game. I started the first frame with, I don't remember what bowling ball it was now, but I threw it and I'm like, why am I throwing this bowling ball? I just need to change. So I grabbed a, the real one, which at the time was a ball I was just so comfortable with. And I, that was it. You know, I just, <laughs> just kept striking and I was just so comfortable having that ball in my hands and I think that's one of the you know I got into a zone and I was comfortable I probably couldn't really tell you where I was looking at the arrows where I was at the break point I was just bowling have you have you been in a zone like that any any other time in your career you know youth adult whatever it may be yeah I would I would I don't think I could necessarily pick moments but I Mm -hmm. think throughout different tournaments it definitely happens I don't know if I've I I would say the first 2017 in Detroit um, I made the show and the six games leading up to that whatever I can't exactly remember what the format mm-hmm. was but there were six games there where I just I don't know what happened you know I just bowled and then I looked at the scorecard afterwards I was like damn that was, that was really good <laughs> and you know that's that is when you bowl the best is when you're when you're just in that zone and you can't really explain anything that happened you're just in that kind of state of flow and I wish that there was, you know, this little on switch that I could press and I would magically come into that flow. But that's something I'm, I'm trying to figure that out. And I think that all just comes down to confidence and really believing in yourself and knowing that when you stand up there in the approach, you know, you have the right ball in your hand, you're in the right part of the lane and that's it. Now, now you talked about a little bit about having the right ball in your hand and, uh, you know, the folks who follow the sport closely, uh, you know, know you made a equipment change this this season um so i obviously we haven't had the full spectrum of time to kind of get used to that obviously (laughs) with the break um but you know what were uh what were some of the things you were looking for with this switch and uh you know just how has the new equipment looked for you 
I think one of the biggest things for me, and obviously a lot of people ask me, why did I change? Why did I change? And it's just more about a mindset. You know, I was really ready for a change. I had some good performances and it wasn't really about that it was just more about me and again my confidence I really felt like making that switch was going to give me this magic confidence and I know a lot of people say okay well you look at when Brianna Cote switched or you look at when Shannon O'Keefe switched and they had very good performances and I think it is that kind of mindset that just automatically changes but I was just I I wanted to see some different ball motion I think that was one of the the biggest things I felt like my weakness on the lanes tended to be fresh and my strong suit was kind of opening up and hooking the whole lane and with EBI their stereotype let's say is that their balls are better for fresh and that storm balls were better for opening up the lane well I kind of felt like I was using the EBI balls that were going to benefit me on fresh but I wasn't really getting any benefit out of that you know I was still struggling as much as I could on fresh so I wasn't I don't know it's just a, another way that I kind of looked at it is why not use the bowling balls that are going to benefit my A game more than anything and that is the storm bowling balls and um, not to speak bad about EBI or anything like that because I think every company has good bowling balls don't get me wrong mm-hmm. um, but it was just that little bit change of ball motion you know those those cleaner bowling balls that are going to get down the lane a little bit easier and they're going to allow me to cover more boards without me feeling like I have to force the ball down the lane. Um, and that's definitely something that I've seen. They're definitely cleaner and a little bit more responsive. And another part of switching is, you know, I was, I really like Storm. I really like their mission, their goal, everything that they do for the sport of bowling, I fully support. And I love that now I have the opportunity to support them and promote them. You know, I, I want to inspire people to bowl. And I think that having the backing of a company that generally loves bowling and has for a very very long time and i think that's important excellent answer absolutely and you know you talked you know you you've touched on this once or twice already on the show about uh, you know wanting to get more people to bowl and you know working on your social media game and if there's one thing about your social media that i always enjoy especially on twitter because you need that in twitter is that you are incredibly positive in your messaging <laughs> And I, I know if I need to see a smile, I'm going to go to yours because I know you're going to have something inspirational or cool or just something that's going to, you know, take away kind of some of the other stuff and focus on something good. Um, so, like, for you, kind of how did you get into that uh, into that area of trying to push so many positive messages? I'm not sure exactly why I started it, but I have a couple of things that I remember. I watched the PBA clash, I want to say two years ago when I was at Kegel, the first PBA clash that they had. And I had a conversation with Tom Clark and it really stuck in my mind. He had told me that he sees my positive positive tweets. And at that time I'd been doing them for, you know, every day for a while. And I just, I stopped because I was like, eh, why, why am I doing this kind of thing? And he told me like, Verity, I really like them. You know, you should continue doing them. And since that day, I, I probably generally posted nearly every day. And I think one of the biggest things for me, especially probably from the last year or since last year's tour ended when I really decided what I needed to work on and I needed to change my mental game and my attitude. And I think me having to actually write those positive tweets makes me think positive. So although everyone thinks it's helping them, it's also helping me because I have to think of what I'm going to say, right? Mm -hmm. And I have to post this 
positive message. So it's it's making me be positive of, as well. And I think that's the biggest thing is that it might be helping everyone else, but it's also helping me. And I definitely can sometimes be a little bit too negative when I bowl. So sometimes I just go back through my Twitter and I just look at what I wrote and I was like, oh, that was a, that was a really good tweet, you know, and it just, <laughs> it just gives me that little bit of confidence. And obviously I've, I've read so many mental game books over the last year and it's so easy to read them and do absolutely nothing with them. But I've been trying to really change my attitude, I guess, to a positive one. And I'm still working on doing that when I'm bowling. It's still not the easiest thing, but I think by trying to spread those messages to everyone else it just holds me accountable as well excellent and thank you yes thank you for I'm, sharing I'm glad such that positive like messages yeah i think knowing that people like them also makes me want to continue doing it you know when somebody responds to a tweet saying thank you for this or you know this made my day or this made my daughter's day little comments like that just make me realize why i do what i do Speaking of uh, comments, we've got uh, a few more questions uh, for you, VC, before we let okay. you go. We're, we're nearing the end, and we'll have uh, uh, Aaron Smith's favorite question, of course, to, to end the show. I'm very much looking forward to that one. Um, let's see. Jose asked, uh, he, he asked about a pendulum swing uh, in mm -hmm. this situation. So I, would, I, I guess I would say it maybe just describe your swing, how, how you developed it, and if you had to to coach someone what what tools would you suggest to develop that type of swing or or just a a non-muscle swing if you will <laughs> i think what he said is correct though it is mm -hmm. a pendulum swing mm -hmm. you know you want it to go up and you want it to come down with no effort you want a little bit of pause at the top of the swing and and that's it and it's hard to say how i formed my swing because i really don't know i practiced a lot when i was younger and i had some very good coaches that i'm very thankful for and you know i used to do drills over drills but i don't ever really remember working on my swing which i know is probably not the answer that everyone wants um but yeah you just want it to be as fluid as possible and i think if you're looking to work on it then i think the swing and slide drill is a great way to work on it because you literally only have the swing and your slide to worry about so you're not worried about four or five other steps that are going in with the swing so if you can get the swing good in the swing and slide then you can start to integrate it into your full approach and i, I do kind of advise going from swing and slide to three step that way you're not adding too many things in at once i will ask one question that you just mentioned um this is not a fan question but something you just talked about how did you become such a drill oriented player I have, I think it just started from my childhood. Um, so like I said, I had some very good coaches when I was younger and I was part of a, um, a junior academy in England. And it was a program that you would go every month and you would have training sessions with a group of players. It was a four year program. Um, and every year you had an exam at the end of the year and you had an online portion and a classroom portion. You had to pass it in order to go on to the next year. And I think during there is where I really started doing the drills. And, you know, I, I just did them because it was part of the training. And to me, it was just normal. And then when I came to Weber, they did the drills as well. And they taught, you know, the, the Kegel drills and we did them every single practice. And it just was a habit, really. And I still do them to this day. And even if I go bowl a tournament, I normally do swing and slide just to get warmed up, just because it's, it makes me so comfortable and it makes me feel good. And I think I promote the drills so much because I truly believe in them. And I really believe that if you want to work on the fundamentals of the sport, then the drills are genuinely the best way to do it. And that's just what I believe. 
Emil, before we get into the next question, mm -hmm. uh, I, I would like to interject at one point because uh, you mentioned kind of developing your game as a younger player. And as I was kind of going through your YouTube page uh, in preparation for this, uh, you have a How I Became a Pro Bowler video on there. Very and, good. Very and there good is a, uh, a video of a young Verdi. And if there's anyone who looks like someone who they eventually became bowling-wise, <laughs> uh, with the back swing and everything, it, it is 100% you. And the second I saw that, I'm like, wow, I, I definitely wanted to find a way to work this in here. So I'm, gonna, I'm just going to do it right now. But uh, <laughs> I love that you have this. Before this you start, I did during quarantine. Um, <laughs> a project. How how old are you in this video? Uh, this was in two thousand and eight. Okay, I believe. Yeah, two thousand and eight. All right, here we go. At age twelve, I first competed for junior team Ooh. at United World in Vienna. <laughs> I won a silver medal. Can we watch it one more time, here? <laughs> we, we can go back. Let's do it one yeah, more let's time. Yeah, go back. One more time. This. Oh, now I mean, I know it's spot. a very quick video. <laughs> yeah, the, the, you can, I mean, the progress is on full display just by watching that. The, and I think that just, I'm, I hope that people will watch that and show that you really can develop your game. All right, here we go. Take two. Yeah, so I mean, my were, swing wasn't yeah. straight there. Mm -hmm. So I obviously what, but my swing wasn't straight there because of my push away. Mm -hmm. So it all cut, you know, it all comes hand in hand together. All right. Yeah, Nicely I just, done. I, I, I saw that and I'm like, man, I got to find a way to work that in. And that was the perfect transition to it. So. <laughs> uh, and that just goes to show, obviously, A, the improvement. And then now you're a coach. So you, you get to mm -hmm. coach, uh, you know, young athletes about these things. And then do you coach um, uh, adults as well? I mean, have you have you gotten to that point, obviously, outside of uh, what you do for SCAD? Yes. Okay. Yeah, I have. Um, the local bowling center in Savannah has has a lot of leagues. Um, so I definitely I've spent a lot of time with some of the elderly people working with them. You know, they either haven't bowled for a few years or they just think they strike a little bit more. And I've definitely spent some time with them. They don't necessarily want to learn the drills, mm -hmm. as say. Um, but yeah, it's, it's really cool to then have them come up to me and show me their new high score that they shot in league or something like that. Very awesome. All right, let's see. Next question. This is from Andres Torres. Uh, what is your reaction when you need to play a very difficult pattern you've never played before? So, which happens to you every week, almost on the PWBA tour. Yeah, I think that that's <laughs> such a common occurrence that you kind of have to realize that it's not all about the oil pattern. I think mm -hmm. a lot of it does have to do with the topography of the bowling center, because if you put down you know, a very easy pattern in one bowling center versus another, it's not going to play the same. So regardless of what's out there, you really don't know what's out there. So I think you just have to go in with the mindset of just listen to what your ball is telling you to do. I mean, sometimes I wish the ball would actually speak to you and tell you what to do. That would be amazing. But just, you know, watching your ball through go through the pins is huge. And that was something growing up, I definitely didn't learn enough. So if there's any young people watching right now, I would definitely advise to watch your ball go through the pins. When I was younger, I used to practice with no pins. That was just how practice was in England. You didn't have any pins. So I never really got that concept of the ball splitting the 8-9 or the ball deflecting or anything like that. So I would highly advise people to start watching that a little bit more and kind of learn what it means when your ball deflects, for example. All right. Jonathan asked, um, 
uh, he's asked a lot of different men this question, but uh, would like to get the answer from a from a woman in regards to you know, when bowling on a team. What what's been the kind of your best spot in the lineup, uh, which is the which is what I assume he's asking. Whatever spot I need to be to benefit the team, I it really doesn't matter. I mean, I would love to say, yeah, I want to anchor every single shot, but if I'm not as lined up, then somebody else on my team, then I'd much rather them anchor. When I was at Weber, I really enjoyed being first just because I enjoyed moving to a new lane and giving people a read, you know, being able to say, okay, I threw that one really good and it, this lane hooked more guys, you know, and, and your team being able to watch that first shot and really get a read off you. So although you kind of feel like the guinea pig in that, that aspect, I did really enjoy that position. Um, but again, I, I would enjoy striking out to be a team. So it's all just relevant to what your team needs. I do enjoy uh, the leadoff position in college um, as well. So uh, nice, you nice. Don't, you don't bowl anymore, so you don't get <laughs> well, well, there is video. <laughs> there is history. I can prove it. Um, let's see. I think final question will be from Brandon again. And uh, he asks, what are your thoughts on self-talk? Uh, and, and should he be coaching his youth bowlers uh, on that topic? Yes, I think it's huge. Um I definitely see the impact of negative self-talk more than anything, because when I get up on the approach and I tell myself I'm probably going to miss this 10 pin, then you're going to miss it. So I think, especially from an early age, if you can kind of put into people's minds the positive self-talk and how important that is, I think that's definitely going to benefit them in a good way. And I mean, I still struggle with, to this day, I still say negative things to myself. So I'm still working on that. (laughs) Uh, and that's just a, a, a question from from Melanie there. So uh, I assume maybe she's talking about Florida, uh, perhaps, or where you're where you may be bowling. Yeah, I was in I was in Fort Myers at the weekend bowling a tournament, but this weekend I will be in Tampa. I think I need to check where I am, but I will be bowling something. That's all I know. <laughs> awesome, awesome. Uh, well, Aaron Smith, it, it, it could be time. It could be it, that time. I think so. And thank you to okay. all the uh, Bull TV. Uh, Facebook, YouTube viewers as well for their questions. But uh, uh, we kind of wrap up every show this way. We want to know what uh, what are the Verdi Crawley binge watch recommendations? <laughs> okay, how many of you want? I might have a list. Oh, no. hey, uh, whatever you got, on. bring them all. <laughs> okay, so I would say Blind Spot. Blind Spot. I don't know if anyone's heard of that. Uh, Prison Break. Mm-hmm. That's okay. very good. White Collar. Okay, heard of that. And then let's go with Broadchurch. Haven't heard of that one. Oh, that's an English one. That's a very oh. good one. It might still be on Netflix. I know they might have taken it off, but I would I would recommend that one. And then Riverdale, which is one that's currently they just uploaded a, a new season. So the other ones are a little older. Blind Spot is still on air right now, and they're just uh, every Thursday I think they have a new episode. So they're all criminal related shows. Um, they're pretty much all about murder apart from prison break which is about escaping from prison <laughs> is that have you been on that that genre so to speak is that one of your favorites um, that's definitely my go-to genre okay. during quarantine um i have been actually watching a lot about death row and a lot of documentaries um just because i find them fascinating about how inmates were convicted and maybe they were the wrong person to be convicted or you know maybe they're mm-hmm. They're trying to get out of it or something like that. So I've been watching a lot of documentaries like that. But those other shows are definitely my typical genre. 
Yeah, interesting. This this question always brings about different answers, and we never know, obviously, what we're what we're going to get. And so, I feel like this is the this is the first of this genre where uh, oh, you really? know, the, yes, I don't I don't think anyone has really. Mentioned I think you. I think Daria will say Prison Break because I'm pretty sure she's watched it about four times, and I think <laughs> okay, I've only, right. I've only watched it twice. But I, if I'm gonna call anything right now, she is gonna <laughs> say that as as something to watch. So keep keep an eye out, and I hope I'm right. <laughs> okay, all right. She will definitely keep an eye out. Um, Aaron, any any final thoughts? Uh, Verity, just uh, a big thank you for joining us here today and uh, letting us uh, learn a little bit more about you. Let the fans learn a little bit more about you as well. Uh, just please continue to your uh, your positive ways, and, and uh, you know, hopefully we get to see you on the lanes soon. And good luck, uh, good luck in Tampa this week. Thank you. Uh, so hopefully <laughs> Thanks for that, having me. Hopefully that first win uh, coming out and. Uh, of course, uh, success all the way on the uh, PWBA tour as well. But uh, that's, that's all I got for today. All right, Verity. Verity, any no, final just, thoughts? Thank you, everyone, for joining. Thank you, too, for having me and for even doing this. I think that this is a great way for fans to stay engaged and kind of stay up to date with the PWBA. Obviously, we don't have anything to bowl right now. So I think it's a great way to still keep in touch with the professionals and I just hope everyone stays safe. I know everything's a, a little crazy right now. So go to my Twitter and you will feel great. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I got one more question. Well, not a question, but a comment from Paul watching on Bowl TV. And he asks, have you checked out Blacklist, which is a very popular oh. choice amongst PWBA podcast guests? So I watched Blacklist a few years ago, but I haven't watched the most recent seasons because I kind of got to the point where I felt like it was the same thing was happening over and over again. So I haven't watched the most recent seasons, but I did watch that when it first came out. I probably watched the first three seasons, maybe. Okay. All right. There's your, there's your answer, Paul. Uh, <laughs> Verity, where can, uh, where can everyone follow you on your uh, various social media channels? Um, so on Twitter and Instagram, I'm simply Verity Crawley. Facebook is Verity Crawley Official. And I do now have a Patreon page, which is just Verity Crawley. And if you're looking for like tips... Um, and a lot of educational content that is on my Patreon page. You do have to pay, but it's highly worth it, I suggest. Yes. Definitely check out Verity's content. Uh, if you don't learn anything just in within five minutes of being on any of her social channels, then you are not paying enough attention. So uh, Then BC, they just have to pres- shoot me a message. That's, that's it. Oh, there it is. And even and she's even offering to do that. So, uh, Verity, we appreciate your time um, and, and thank you for being you and helping those certainly in our sport. We appreciate it. Uh, and we thank everyone, all of our viewers today on Bold TV, YouTube, and uh, the PWBA Facebook page. We thank you for watching as well. It's been another great show. This has been episode 18 as we kick off the month of June. On uh, Speaking of uh, June, June 3rd, this coming Wednesday, we will have uh, Daria Payuk, Verity's good friend and Diana's good friend, on the PWBA podcast as well. So someone actually asked that question in the chat. When is Daria going to be on? She will be on Wednesday. <laughs> this Wednesday, June 3rd at 2 p.m. Eastern, 1 p.m. Central Time. So for Aaron Smith, Verity Crawley, my name is Emil Williams Jr. Folks, there is a lot going on in this world, in our country today. We ask you to certainly stay safe. Be a level of change that you hope uh, to be one day. Please be some change. Uh, Any talks, you know where to find me. We will see you soon on the PWBA Podcast. Stay safe.